uh, conversations around, around race uh, create a certain level of discomfort for them because the only time white people generally have to confront race and the concept of race and racism is when it's being kind of pushed into their faces by you know a marginalized group, by black folks in particular situations where we're advocating um, for our rights um, in some capacity. And what we address in the work that's being done in critical race theory is um, analyzing and examining how whiteness functions as a mechanism of racism. What's good, good people? I am Merck, and this is Dynamite Hill. For all my first timers, welcome to the hill. To all my old heads, y'all already know what it is. So yeah, folks, I wanted to take some time today to um, kind of have a discussion around uh, critical race theory. So there has been a lot of conversation, a lot of debate, and even some legislation passed in a few states that has banned the uh, teaching of critical race theory in schools. And um, we've also been, uh, the universe has been so gracious to gift us uh, a real life example of why the work around critical race theory is so important um, and uh, I'll be able to kind of apply kind of some of this thought work that we do in this discussion um, to a real life example that's kind of going on in the sports world right now. But um, for those of you who may or may not know, um, uh, just to kind of give an overview of what critical race theory is. So critical race theory is kind of an academic framework that uh, conceptualizes uh, the ways in which race and racism um, are interwoven into every aspect of American life, regardless of what your race may be. Um, critical race theory is very dense, very academic, very nuanced, um, and I strongly believe, well, I only say believe, I know that's not the conversation here. Um, what this conversation is, and unfortunately CRT has kind of been coined uh, in, this, in this particular conversation um, is about having critical conversations, dialogue, and teaching um, honestly about race and racism and the history of race and racism in this country. That's the issue that's kind of going on in schools and has created kind of this uproar, which has ultimately led into uh, some of these states passing legislation to ban it. But uh, the work that, that, that CRT does um, helps fuel these conversations and helps fuel these teachings to be able to have a true and clear understanding of the ways in which race uh, and racism interplay in our everyday lives, both historically and in this, this moment that we're sitting in right now. Um, 
uh, the 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 a good example. And and if you guys want to really get into the weeds, kind of with this conversation, um, I, I recently published an essay on dynamitehill.com uh, entitled "Thoughts on." critical race theory, uh, white guilt, and uh, accountability. So if you guys want to tap into that, go ahead, you know, hit up dynamitehill.com, check that out. And I also have a recording. Um, uh, I did a podcast uh, recording the essay uh, that you can access um, on dynamitehill.com too. But um, anyway, the, uh, the, the, the general conversation around this that I really want to touch on is the relationship that white folks have to having these critical conversations and dialogue around race and racism. Nothing makes a population, and honestly, most white people, even uh, you know, our more liberal, our, our allies and advocates, uh, conversations around, around race uh, create a certain level of discomfort for them because the only time white people generally have to confront race and the concept of race and racism is when it's being kind of pushed into their faces by you know a marginalized group, by black folks in particular situations where we're advocating um, for our rights um, in some capacity. So this, this whole concept around white guilt is kind of a confrontation uh, around race and white people not wanting to be blamed for the transgressions of their ancestors. And that's where I think this inability to kind of understand this split, this dichotomy is, is really the challenge because whiteness is what critical race theory and these conversations about systemic racism really focuses on, not the white individual. And I, and I wanna make that clear. There, there, there's intersectionality between the two, but the concepts are completely separate. Whiteness from the white individual, white person. And what we address in the work that's being done in critical race theory is um, analyzing, examining how whiteness functions as a mechanism of racism. Um, there's kind of this sweeping thing that, you know, kind of conservative speak always does where they kind of group, uh, try to group all groups in um, and make them kind of monolithic. Uh, when we have these conversations around whiteness and racism, no, we're not saying that every single white person is a racist. It's about the concept of whiteness, which is inherently racist. Um, and, and, and I think kind of bridging between those two concepts is a lot of difficult for some folks because they don't want to do kind of the thought work that's necessary to, be, to get a complete grasp on it. Um, but essentially what, you know, you know, that avenue of CR, CRT does is discuss the ways in which whiteness and its relationship to power have uh, benefited white people uh, to the detriment of black people and people of color. And the confrontation of this ideal is kind of an affront to kind of uh, the white American narrative that, you know, you work hard, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you can do this, 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 and this. But what's absent in um, that kind of understanding and approach is that even though as a white individual, you may have made X, Y, Z decisions, X, Y, Z choices that, you know, you believe solely and independently are the reasons for your successes in life. 
And I don't want to discount those because that is a part of it at play. But with that work that has been put into these individual spaces, your careers, your lives, um, what have you, there's a component, this concept of whiteness that's like a little, a little kick in the butt, a little bit, a little boost. Um, and I don't even want to say little, I want to play it down. It's a huge boost. It gives, you know, w- when we look at everything from, you know, historically from redlining and, and, and from policy and legislation, Jim Crow, that's been put in place to systematically disenfranchise black people to the benefit of white people. And we look at seeing this has been done in so many different ways, both systemically and overtly over the last 450, 500 years, then that's the acknowledgement that we have to understand that it's not just about you and what you did and what school you went to and how hard you worked. There is a system in place that has been refined over centuries that works directly in your benefit to the detriment of anyone that is non-white. And this, 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 this lack of understanding around that or even the understanding of it but the unwillingness to acknowledge it is Probably, I don't even want to say probably, I would, I would strongly assert that it is probably one of the greatest obstacles to racial equity and equality that there is. And until we can get past the, 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 the language and the jargon and you know, all of this kind of post-racial veiling, that we can truly kind of understand how this concept works and we can work collectively to dismantle it. But until there's that acknowledgement, that doesn't exist. And to give you guys a real kind of real life example, because that was a little bit dense, is we have a a journalist reporter um, on ESPN, Rachel Nichols. She's a white woman, um, decorated, been in the industry for a long time. I've been familiar with her watching sports kind of my whole life. And... um, there is a uh, younger black journalist reporter, uh, Maria Taylor, a uh, black woman, who uh, kind of works college football, NBA, is a former um, D1 athlete. And there, around the NBA finals, they both kind of cover the NBA and basketball. Um, Rachel Nichols was initially kind of slotted to uh, handle you know, a particular portion of the NBA finals coverage. And ESPN made the decision to uh, move her out of that space and to put Maria Taylor in that position. And that was too much the dismay and, and, and disapproval of Rachel Nichols. Now, what I can say about Rachel Nichols, at least in, you know, from where I'm sitting and my understanding of her uh, up until this point, is that she functions as you know, an ally, an advocate, um, uh, you know, a white ally, um, white liberal, which is cool because, you know, she's been vocal on some things and she's tried to use her privilege in ways to kind of benefit, uh, you know, you know, whatever, whether it's, you know, BLM or uh, police brutality, all that kind of stuff. And that's great because a lot of white liberals have this issue around uh, kind of the sympathy and understanding to the plight of black folks. But when it comes directly kind of in their spaces, that's where critical race theory really kind of digs its teeth in because it speaks to those nuances that aren't so black and white, you know, wrong and right. Um, and in this situation, you know, her objection, she got kind of caught on a recording uh, talking about, uh, you know, 
Maria Taylor deserves, you know, whatever it is that she, you know, is getting. She's she's this, she's great, all this kind of stuff. But if ESPN wants to use her essentially in a way to try to highlight ESPN um, as some kind of um, some kind of symbolism or performance of, uh, of of equity, of 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 of, of equality, of diversity and, and inclusiveness. Then they can, you know, do they can put on whatever shows they want to, but they don't take this from me. So it's, it's two things to this, and it's, it's a very nuanced conversation. But what I really want to zone in on is this relationship that the that white liberals have, um, white allies have to this same narrative about I did the work, I deserve this, you know, and their relationship to tokenism in a particular way with black folks that receive opportunities instead of them. So one of the ways in which kind of uh, critical race theory approaches this is uh, you kind of have to understand that whenever there's a situation, especially kind of in these spaces where there's a finite number of opportunities, where you have a huge majority, which is, you know, white folks, even, even though white women exist in the minority, but still, you know, very, very clearly and overtly um, benefit from whiteness and white privilege, um, still kind of work in the minority, just especially in sports with women in sports. So definitely don't want to discredit that. But what has to be understood by, you know, our white allies um, and white liberals is that there is a cost to you know equality and more importantly equity. Equity is the key word here. So the way that this functions, especially again in these finite situations, is that if a company, an institution, or whatever decides that they want to make. Um, or racially inclusive, they want to really lean into DEI and uh, want to make sure that black folks and people of color are getting fair opportunities. It's going to come at the expense of white folks. Now, there's this whole narrative out here that, oh, this is you know affirmative action in some capacity, and 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 black folks and and POCs are taking white people's jobs that they earn and deserve. But what you gotta have to understand is that's kind of the trade-off, is the relinquishment of your privilege in order to uh, help propel the advancement of equity and equality. So, you know, I it is what it is. Like you kind of you kind of just gotta hold that in that situation with Rachel Nichols, and you know it's 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 no detriment to her. Um, even though some of the comments that she said had a, had some slightly, you know, eh, undertones, um, especially kind of around race and opportunity, um, but that's the trade-off. There, there is no equality and equity without the uh, without the kind of pulling back, the 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 exposing, and kind of the the relinquishment of privilege empowered by white people in these positions. And you just gotta eat that because that's a part of it, you know? 
And I think that's a concept that, you know, you know, white folks and, um, you know, even our allies kind of have to kind of understand and get better acquainted with is that there is no progress unless we dismantle these systems, which essentially means dismantling, you know, these 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 positions and institutions that have kind of put you in a place where and, and have aided to, you know, success, be it in your career, being in your life, just being able to just navigate and move around in America. Um, but that's kind of the trade-off of it. So what critical race theory again here does is talk about the systemic ways in which uh, you know, race is interwoven in our, in our lives. And we see in that situation where um, CRT had both an effect on a white person and a black person, blackness and whiteness as greater concepts acting against each other when you have, um, again, an entity or an institution or a corporation who decides to make a decision based on race. That race is inescapable at the end of the day. It's inescapable. Let's stop trying to kind of build this narrative and, and, and end this momentum that we don't have to talk about race. Race is a part of every single thing that we do. It's woven into the fabric of this country at its deepest being and until we understand and choose to have honest and open conversations around race, racism, the history of race and racism in this country, we're going to continue to see people misconceptualize schools of thought, misconceptualize and misunderstand the way that power and privilege affects them, black folks at a detriment, white folks at a benefit. And until we have an understanding of how race and racism and you know, propels and, and, and upholds whiteness, uh, white innocence, white sanctity, white privilege, then we'll never be able to truly dismantle it uh, in the ways that it needs to be done. So white folks, white allies, white liberals, y'all gotta check your people, but you gotta check yourself. You know, make sure that you have a clear understanding of the way this functions and understand that no amount of progress comes without the power and the privilege that has been um, that has been given to you through history and years and years and years of race and racism in this country, that when you know all these things start to come to reckon, that you're not going to lose something. That something's not on the table. That's just that's a part of how this works. So, critical race theory again is 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 kind of this academic concept, this framework that talks about power, privilege, racism. Um, and race and in the systematic forms in a way that it interplays. And I think that's the main reason why we need to continue to have these conversations and why this needs to be taught um, in schools and to continue to be examined and studied, you know, at the higher academic levels. But I want to hear what y'all think, um, both on the concept of critical race theory as a whole and also, you know, with this situation around, um, you know, the ESPN anchors Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols. Um, again, like I said, you know, these are the kind of conversations that we have to have. Uh, they're uncomfortable, but, you know, if, if, if it was easy, it wouldn't be worth doing, right? But um, again, you know, make sure you guys subscribe, subscribe to the podcast, check out downonmyhill.com, subscribe to the newsletter so you get updates on, you know, all the kind of stuff that's going on. I will be dropping some giveaways in the next couple of days, so make sure y'all tap in so you can get up on some of this cool stuff. And as you do see, you know, we do have the Dynamite Hill merch, 
we'll be launching the store. We'll be launching extra soon so y'all can get y'all hands on some of this gear. But um, until the next time, it's love always later. Oh